take your copy of God's Word and turn with me to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 58. Isaiah chapter 58. Tonight, as you are turning there, we really have a singular question that we are endeavoring to answer. And that is the question, how ought we to prepare for Sunday? We are people. You and I are here on a Sunday evening, on the Lord's Day. You've come in the morning, you've come in the evening. How are we to consider Monday through Saturday preparing for this day? Tucked away in Isaiah 58, verses 13 and 14, I think we find at least part of the answer to that question. Isaiah 58, verses 13 and 14. Hear the word now of the living God. If you turn away your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy day of the Lord honorable, and shall honor him, not doing your own ways, nor finding your own pleasure, nor speaking your own words, then you shall delight yourself in the Lord. And I will cause you to ride on the high hills of the earth and feed you with the heritage of Jacob, your father. The mouth of the Lord has spoken. This is the word of God. And we say, thanks be to God. Amen. Please be seated and let's pray. Living God, we pray now that you would instruct us from your word. Help us with open ear and open mind an affectionate heart to embrace your words again this evening. Help us, O Lord, feed us and nurture our souls through the preaching of the word of Christ. These things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. How are we to prepare for Sunday? We spent a few weeks over the last month or so looking at various passages towards the end of the book of Isaiah. We didn't do a series in the book of Isaiah. We finished Colossians and are moving to Daniel. But we spent a few weeks in various passages at the end of Isaiah. And in these passages, we see the glorious realities of the coming Christ. Isaiah being written hundreds of years before Christ would come. But tucked away in Isaiah 58 is a discussion of the Sabbath. Now tonight, my, des- my design is not to convince you of the fourth commandment. We read that commandment regularly here. Our church confession boldly proclaims it has an entire chapter on the Sabbath. But suffice it to say, it is worth mentioning that the word Sabbath is all throughout the scriptures. Tonight, we will assume together, or I will ask you to assume, that the Sabbath is a holy day set apart by God in both Old and New Covenant, pre-fall and post-fall, for the worship of God and for rest in Him, which points us ultimately to that great Sabbath rest in Christ that is to come for all of eternity. So tonight, if you find yourself wondering why we're not making that argument, Why we're not trying to walk through all of the passages to try to convince Christians that the Sabbath observed on the first day of the week is what we ought to do. It is because we as a people have walked through that before. We've treaded that ground, not that it wouldn't be worth retreading. But tonight I want us to ask ourselves the question, how should we prepare 
Are there things that we can consider from a passage like Isaiah 58 for preparing for each Lord's Day? We, of course, use the word Sunday, boys and girls. It is the first day of the week. Growing up, I thought Sunday was the last day of the week because in my case, you went back to school on Monday. So certainly the last day of freedom, the last day of the week was Sunday. But really, Sunday is the first day of the week. And it is the Sabbath that the Lord appointed for his own purposes, for his own worship, and for people, even before the fall into sin, to rest in him. The new covenant that day has been moved to the first day of the week. We see that observance in the new covenant. But how are we to consider how to prepare for the Sabbath? How do we prepare for Sunday? Well, in Isaiah 58, verse 13, we read these words. If you turn away your foot from the Sabbath, or if you plan to keep the Sabbath, if you will honor the Sabbath from doing your pleasure on my holy day and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy day of the Lord honorable, and shall honor him not doing your own ways, nor finding your own pleasure, nor speaking your own words, then, and then there's a list of various promises, then you shall delight yourself in the Lord. And I will cause you to ride on the high hills of the earth and feed you with the heritage of Jacob, your father. What's going on in Isaiah 58? Well, a little bit of context. If you turn to the beginning of Isaiah chapter 58, there is a discussion of how the old covenant people, the Hebrews, were crying out to God in worship. They were doing worship-like things, but we find that they were not worshiping according to the design and the will of God. Isaiah 58, verse 1, cry aloud, spare not, lift up your voice like a trumpet, tell my people their transgression and the house of Jacob their sins, yet they seek me daily and delight to know my ways as a nation that did righteousness and did not forsake the ordinance of their God. They ask of me the ordinances of justice. They take delight in approaching God. Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen Why have we afflicted our souls and you take no notice? In fact, in the day of your fast, you find pleasure and exploit all your laborers. See, if you you read through the lines of what's happening in these first few verses, there is a regular approach to God. There is fasting. There is worship occurring. There seems to be some semblance of people wanting to know the ways of God. And yet... Verse 3 reveals to us that on this day of worship each week, this day of fast, this day of worship, there is the pursuing of their own pleasure and the exploitation of their laborers. Notice verse 4. Indeed, you fast for strife and debate and to strike with the fist of wickedness. You will not fast as you do this day to make your voice heard on high. Is it a fast that I have chosen? A day for a man to afflict his soul? Is it to bow down his head like a bulrush and to spread out sackcloth and ashes? Would you call this a fast and an acceptable day to the Lord? And then the Lord begins to describe the fast, the kind of worship, the kind of celebration, the kind of honoring that he desires. Look there in verse 6. Is this not the fast that I have chosen? To loose the bonds of wickedness, 
to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry, and that you bring to your house the poor who are cast out, when you see the naked that you cover him, and not hide yourself from your own flesh? Then your light shall break forth like the morning, your healing shall spring forth speedily, and your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry and he will say, here I am. You see, they're crying out to the Lord. They're fasting. It's almost as if in their worship, the fast has become this great kind of affliction. And yet it seems as though God's not answering. And the prophet says, is this not the fast that the Lord God has chosen? That you don't oppress the poor. That you don't oppress and exploit the laborer. You see, God wants his people to obey him. If we read other parts of the Old Testament, we will see that the things that were occurring here, the things that were occurring in Isaiah's day, were things that were prohibited in the Old Covenant economy. Well, what does that have to do with Christians in 2022? Well, Isaiah 58 continues, and there is a discussion of the Sabbath. If you turn away your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your own pleasure, and call the Sabbath a delight. See, the Sabbath wasn't really a delight before, but the pleasure of that day was found in their own ways. We as Christians, some thousands of years later, still have a Sabbath day. We still have a day set apart. And it may be that the circumstances of Isaiah 58 are different than our day and our context. And yet, let us see at least three particular realities. The first thing that we can glean from this text is remembering the purpose of the day. Remembering the purpose of the day. I would invite you Monday through Saturday to remember the purpose of the Lord's Day, of the Sabbath What is the purpose of the day? Well, Isaiah 58, verse 13 tells us. The holy day of the Lord honorable and shall honor him. Not doing your own ways, nor finding your own pleasure, nor speaking your own words. Then you shall delight in the Lord. In Isaiah 58, verse 13, the word Sabbath is called a holy day. Of course, we read of this, don't we, in Genesis 2. The Lord God declares the Sabbath day holy. In Exodus 20, verse 8 through 11, we heard our brother read it this morning. The Sabbath is part of God's moral law. And in Revelation 1, verse 20, the name Sabbath is regularly changed to the term the day belonging to the Lord, the Lord's day. And of course, we observe that day on the day of new creation, don't we? God created all things and then he rested. The final day of the week was the Sabbath. Christ brought about new creation, finished his work, and then he rested on the first day of the week. So we rest. But here, the Sabbath is a day that is to be kept holy to the Lord and is a day to honor him. The context here is the whole day is a day that is to be about pleasing the Lord. Now, you may say, well, isn't every day a day that we should please the Lord? I mean, 
Would we ever say that there's a day when we shouldn't honor God? We shouldn't please the Lord? However, the context of Isaiah 58, specifically verses 1 through 4, demonstrate that the people were worshiping God outwardly while doing things that his word had prohibited. Again, the oppression of the poor. The fast that God wants is defined in his word. But holy to the Lord means kept separate unto him. Honoring him means that the day is his to use for us. Monday through Saturday is not the same. Yes, we should avoid sin Monday through Saturday. Yes, we should seek to honor God Monday through Saturday, but it is the Sabbath, the Lord's Day, where God says, this day is separate unto me. It is a day of honoring me. And if you read the Old Testament all the way through to the New Testament, the Sabbath, the Lord's Day, has always been a day of public worship. It was the day set aside for holy convocation in the Old Covenant. It is the day set apart in the New Testament for the gathering of Christ's people, the preaching of the word, for the administration of sacraments, the gathering in prayer. What is the purpose of the day? When you when you think tomorrow morning, Tuesday morning, Wednesday morning, when you think about your week, you ought to be thinking there's a day coming and there's specific purposes, a day that belongs to God. A day that is to be specifically spent in publicly honoring him and in privately honoring him with specific word-driven things. When you think about preparing for Sunday, all the week long, think, what is the purpose of Sunday? What is the purpose? Maybe for you, Sunday's purpose is that's when I go to listen to someone give me more facts. A preacher stands behind a pulpit and he teaches me more facts. We sing, we do other kinds of things, but really the the purpose is for me to just be given some more information. That happens on the Lord's Day, but that's not the first reality. You might be thinking, well, it's a day for me to get to be with other Christians. That happens on the Lord's Day, but that's not really the main thrust. All of those things flow out of the main purpose which is a day which is separated for God to use for his people. A purpose. Remember the purpose. But as you think Monday through Saturday of how to prepare for Sunday, in addition to remembering the purpose of the day, it's good for us to work out the practice of the day. And brothers and sisters, that actually takes time. Time prior to Sunday. Here's what I mean. Look what the look what the text says. Again, if you turn away your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy day of the Lord honorable, and shall honor him, not doing your own ways, nor finding your own pleasure, nor speaking your own words. Now, I would encourage you not to interpret those phrases hyper-literalistically. You're going to speak, and the only words you're going to speak are your words. (laughs) You're going to do certain things, like brushing your teeth and cooking meals in the same way. It's your way of doing it. Don't interpret this hyper-literalistically, but see this rather as the practice of the day is designed such 
that God's day, the purpose, be served. Notice some of the description here of the practice of the day. Calling the Sabbath a delight. Do you consider that Sundays are a delight for the Christian? Do you ever think Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday night, Friday morning, the Lord's Day is coming. I can't wait to be there with God's people. I can't wait to sit under the preaching of the Word. I'm needy for the Gospel to wash over my soul as the Lord's Supper occurs. We're having a baptism this week. You think to yourself, I can't wait to remember my own baptism this week as a new believer is lowered into the water and raised. I can't wait to spend what seems like hours with God's people talking of God and how He has been faithful to us in the week past. Is the Sabbath a delight? The Scripture says, call it a delight. Make it a delight. Consider that part of the practice of the day is seeing that day as a delight. Turn over to Psalm 27, verse 4. I wonder if your heart resonates with the psalmist there. Psalm 27, verse 4. One thing I have desired of the Lord. How would you finish that sentence? One thing I have desired of the Lord, that I will seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. I wonder if the words of David there in Psalm 24, verse 4, resonate with you. Is it a delight to be in the presence of God as he is being praised and as he is speaking? This ought to be a prayer of our hearts. Lord God, make the Sabbath, make the Lord's Day a delight. Make the fact that that day is a little different than the other six days. Something that you use to remind me of the glories of your presence with your people. So we're to be remembering the purpose of the day, but we're also to be working out the practice of the day. What's the chief practice of the day? For our own souls to say, it is a good day. But notice... There's some further description. Not doing your own ways, nor finding your own pleasure. And again, remember the context. In all of their fasting, these individuals were oppressing others. They were seeking God in worship or in fasting, and yet they were exploiting laborers at the same time. Their hearts were divided. Seeking God in his ways, and yet exploiting workers. Or a third phrase, not speaking your own words. What do we picture are we given here of Sundays, of the Lord's Day? Well, the practice of the day is to call it a delight and to make God and his ways and the practices that he calls us to our priority and not our own. Now, you might be thinking, well, isn't this just saying we shouldn't sin Well, we shouldn't sin any time. This is the holy day of the Lord. A day where we are to call it a delight, to honor God, and to set before our own eyes the ways of the living God and not our own. Even the ways that are good. Work, 
play. These things are wonderful things. But the practice of the day is to prioritize God and his ways. John Owen has some very strong words, really, in describing this reality. He says this. What would such persons do if they should ever come to heaven to be taken aside to all eternity to be with God alone? Who think it a great bondage to be here on earth, diverted unto him for a day. Now, of course, when we are in heaven with the living God, we will be fully glorified. There won't be any more taint of sin. We won't be wrestling with all of the diversions and Temptations and sinfulness that still remains within us. And yet his point is absolutely true. The more that we seek to cast off our own ways and our own pleasure, the more that we actually can call this day a delight. So ask yourself this week ahead. If the Lord gives me breath seven days from now, I'm going to gather with the saints. What's the purpose of that day? And remind yourself. Well, it's a day that is God's holy day. It's a a day for holy convocation. It's a special day that he uses in a special way for me. As his praise is trumpeted. Then consider, how ought I to prepare for the practice of the day? I hesitate here to be very specific, brothers and sisters, so I'll leave you with some very general questions. What do you need to do in these next seven days to make provision for that day? If you're traveling, where will you gather with the saints? Do you know? It's best to prepare in advance. What practical things might you and your home and your family need to do so that this coming Sunday is a day that is holy unto the Lord? In what ways might you begin to slowly over the course of weeks teach your family that the Lord's Day is really the center of our week? You see, we call the Sabbath a delight the more that we understand what a delight it really is. We remember the purpose of the day, but we work out the practice of the day. God's ways, not my ways. God's business, not my business. Pleasure sitting at the feet of King Jesus, not pleasure sitting in the ways of the world, even if they're not sinful. So to prepare for Sunday, we remember the purpose of the day, but we secondly work out the practice of the day. So I would encourage us, give some thought to how to plan in advance for the fact that Sunday is coming. What might serve you? What might serve your wife? What might serve your husband? What might serve your children best to make the most of that day? See, the Sabbath, the Lord's Day, orients our hearts around where our true pleasures really are found. You know, any discussion of Sabbath rightly brings up with it the discussion of legalism. But I would just say, brothers and sisters, in many cases, not all, but in many cases in our country, the question is not, are we being too legalistic? The question is, Are we missing out on a delight because we won't prepare when King Jesus has told us, if you prepare, I promise you, you will receive a blessing. 
Which takes us then to what Isaiah says thirdly, and we close with this. In addition to remembering the purpose of the day and working out the practice of the day, thirdly, we are to embrace the promise of the day. The promise of the day. Look what the Lord God says here. Again, I won't read the entire section. It begins with if, and then it lists, you call the Sabbath a delight. Keep the day holy. Honor Him. Not doing your own ways and words and all of those things. Verse 14, then. We have an if-then statement. Then you shall delight yourself in the Lord. And I will cause you to ride on the high hills of the earth. And feed you with the heritage of Jacob your father. The mouth of the Lord has spoken. There's a set of promises here, isn't there? If you call the Sabbath a delight, then you shall delight yourself in the Lord. It's almost as if the Lord gives a day, we call it a delight, we prepare for it to be a delight, and then it actually is a delight. We delight ourselves in the Lord. Puritan George Swinock says this, The Sabbaths of the holy are the suburbs of heaven. I love that. Do you know that, in a sense, by God's design, not spatially or geographically, but do you know that, really, as it relates to the content of our walking with the Lord, to Him blessing and meeting with us, The closest that we are to heaven here on earth is in the gathering of the saints. The holy whose Sabbath, there are the suburbs of heaven. Imagine that. And why would we think anything else? For when we gather as Christ's people, he promises to be with us. When we come each week to this table, 1 Corinthians 10, what does he say? You will have fellowship with my body and blood. When the word of Christ is preached faithfully, the scripture says it is the word of Christ to his people. When we gather in prayer as a corporate body, he promises to hear us and to bless us. The public gathering of his people and the private acts of worship that we do on this particular day, he blesses. He blesses. And we ought to embrace that promise. Notice he says, verse 14, And I will cause you to ride on the high hills of the earth. This is victorious language. Language like this is kind of just victorious kind of language. You're going to ride on the high hills. But shouldn't this be victorious language? For the Sabbath is a delight because of the ordinary means of God's grace. He feeds us. He nourishes us. He fellowships with us. Hebrews 2 says that when the people of God worship on his day, Christ is our worship leader. He's standing right in our midst. We can't see him with our eyes, boys and girls. But in a special way, and I would submit to you, unlike all of the rest of our days, in a special way, Christ stands with his church. Wouldn't this be a delightful thing if we thought every week, this coming Sunday, I'm going to meet with King Jesus. And we actually mean we're going to meet with King Jesus. It's not simply a greeting card or phrase that we utter. No, he's here. We meet with him. He uses ordinary means to grow us in his grace. 
If we call the Sabbath a delight, it's a day where our minds and bodies rest. We literally have physical rest, psychological rest. And it's a delight because the whole day is a day spent resting in God. I will cause you to ride on the high hills of the earth. You know, it's interesting. The scriptures never say that about other kinds of practices. Really, all throughout the pages of scripture where God promises to bless his people, the dominant expression is regarding those things that happen on the Sabbath or in the New Covenant, the Christian Sabbath, the Lord's Day. There are promises attached to calling the Sabbath a delight. But notice there's even some slight covenantal language here, verse 14, and feed you with the heritage of Jacob, your father. Now, of course, the old covenant people of God would have thought Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. There's a heritage here. There's promised blessing here. We, of course, who have the promised seed as our savior and mediator, can look to phrases like this and say, when the Lord says, if we delight ourselves in him, if we call the day that he has set aside a delight, then he'll feed us with the heritage of Jacob. What is he going to feed us with? His promises, the heritage that he's given us in Christ. I mean, think about what happens when, when you come to this table or when we come to the waters of baptism. These covenantal signs are God's promises. When someone is baptized, they're lowered into the water and they're raised up. They, of course, are making profession of faith, aren't they? But the living God is giving us a visible sermon, just like he does on the table. There are covenantal blessings. There's a heritage here. You see... As we think about preparing for Sundays, we should remember the purpose of the day. It's God's day. He's hallowed it. He's made it holy in the Old Covenant and in the New Covenant alike. His word has given specific direction for its use. Monday through Saturday, when we think about how to prepare for Sunday, we we ought to work out with the implications of phrases like this, how to practice the day. How, how can I get the most? How can my family get the most out of this day? What do we need to do to make sure that the whole day long is centered on the purpose of the day while we embrace the promise of the day? And thirdly, Monday through Saturday, as you consider how to prepare for Sunday, do you realize that each and every Sabbath, each and every Lord's Day comes with this kind of a promise. Now, brothers and sisters, I'll close with this. Isaiah 58 was written to people under the old covenant. They were not doing things the right way. God chastised them and gives them a promise. If you will call the Sabbath a delight, which means if you will go back to creation order, if you will go back to the moral law, I will cause you to delight yourself in me. You will know spiritual delights anew and afresh. 
I will cause you to ride on the high hills of the earth and remind you of covenant blessings. For we Christians this day, we can say as well, if we return to creation order, if we return to the moral law, there are promises attached for us as well. God will indeed cause us to delight ourselves in the Lord. The New Testament really only uses the word Sabbath a few times. It uses it a lot in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John because there we have the descriptions of Jesus encountering the Pharisees and the religious leaders and often needing to correct them regarding the Sabbath. He heals. He brings life. And they chastise him. And yet it is the life that Jesus brings, which is exactly what the Lord uses and points to in his Sabbath. But in the book of Hebrews, we're given the promise or the reminder and a discussion of why the day has changed. I'll close with that. Turn over to Hebrews chapter 4 for just a moment. Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. A discussion of the people of God not entering the rest of God and how Joshua did not give them the ultimate rest. Verse 9 of Hebrews 4, there remains therefore a rest. The Greek there literally is Sabbath rest for the people of God. For he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. For the one who entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. This is a discussion of how Jesus, the true and better Adam, finished his work and rested. He ceased from his works and rested. Which is why Christians down through the ages have practiced the Sabbath on Sunday. But don't miss this. What work did Christ accomplish and cease from? Because this isn't you and me. Ceasing from our work and resting. What works did we have before we came to Christ? We had plenty of sinful works. This isn't me and you. This is Jesus, the one, the true and better David, the true and better Joshua. He who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. God created all things and rested. Jesus did what? He lived a perfect life, never once failing. And he went to a cross. A cross that from all eternity in God's decree was designed for the substitution of the sinner. The work of Christ was to go to the cross and to take my sin and the sin of every believer there with him and to pay for it and to die as a substitute. And Christ did it. He died for me. Christian, he died for you. And as he hung there on that cross, suffering the agonies of the body and the torments of the wrath of God in his soul, he paid the price 
that wicked sinners might know life. That their sins might be washed in the blood of the Lamb. And he died. But it was on that first day of the week when his body was raised. And he has brought about a new creation. And I would invite you, Christian, to consider tonight that the Sabbath and this discussion of how to honor Sunday is a wonderful thing to consider. It's a practical thing to consider that every week we get to think, how do I make the best of this coming Sunday for the good of my soul and the good of the souls of the people in my household and in my church? But it's a day that we actually practice on Sunday. Because that was the day that our living Christ came bursting forth from the tomb. The work of redemption, the work assigned to him, fully completed. And we can rest in him. And every Sunday is an emblem of rest in God. Because that is the day that the living King of Kings and Lord of Lords came out of your grave, Christian. And every Sunday becomes a reminder that there will never be a grave that will hold me. There will never be a toil that I will pay for my sins. Every Sunday becomes a reminder that as I rest in God, it is because and only because the King of Kings and Lord of Lords took on my sin and credited me with His righteousness. His Spirit united me to Him. And now I rest in Him. And the emblem of that rest is the day when I gather with other people and we sing the praises of the Lamb as that living Christ stands right here in our midst. As His ministers proclaim His words, as we feast at His table, as we see new believers lowered into the water remembering our own baptism, and as we plead with God in prayer that until He comes, He takes care of all of our needs. It's a day worth preparing for, so... Let's remember the purpose. Let's consider how we should work out the practice. And let's embrace, oh, let us embrace the glorious promise that if we call the Sabbath a delight, God says, we will ultimately delight ourselves in the Lord. Let's pray. Almighty God, help us as we think now, even of the week ahead, how to prepare how to make the most of the coming Sunday if you give it. Lord, help your people to consider the blessing of this day, the promises attached to it. Nourish our souls through it, we ask in Jesus' name.